But when you take the time to look at your decisions and own your mistakes and own your behavior and own the things that you are only in control of, right? No, mm-hmm. you can't control other people. You can't control other people's emotions. You can't control what they do. You, you can only control you. And when you start realizing that that's all you have control over and that's what you should have control over and you allow people the space to heal, forgive, or do whatever they need to do, um, those relationships usually flourish. Hey guys, my name is Katie Enterkin and I'm on a mission to help humans become the best possible versions of themselves and to unveil what I like to call the beautiful beast that already lives inside us all. And welcome to the podcast about everything and a little bit of nothing. I've had the privilege to talk to all kinds of different humans who have been through a plethora, oh, I love words, a myriad of experiences just being a human and existing. These are real conversations with real people, getting to know each other, sharing stories that make us cry, and occasionally pee our pants with laughter. We talk about all kinds of life stuff, parenthood, business, life goals, fitness, chasing your dreams, and yes, even some animal noises are involved. For more information, keep listening. This is the Unveiling the Beast podcast. What's up, beautiful beasts? Welcome back to the Unveiling the Beast podcast. In this episode, I got to sit down with one of my bestest friends, Tigan Blank Reader Tofel, <laughs> Tigan Tofel, and we got into some pretty deep conversations about pretty deep subjects. We talked about the emotional distress of secondary infertility caused by PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Whoa, what did I even just say? Big words. I opened up a little bit about my experience with miscarriage. We talked about our experiences being in abusive relationships. And, you know, all three of these topics tend to be on the taboo list. But I think the more we can talk about things like this, the more we can feel like we're not the only ones experiencing or have experienced this kind of pain. On a brighter note, we got into a juicy story that took place in our early 20 shenanigan years, and it involves getting the cops called on us. Uh, just a warning, I had some issues with sound while recording, so the sound is a little bit wonky, but the content is just too good not to post. So, I hope something lands with you today. I hope something you hear tugs on your heartstrings, and or, I hope you laugh. All right, so I am sitting on my bedroom floor. Uh, I currently had some <clears throat> issues. And um, I'm sitting on my floor. My mom bun is on fleek. Um, the lighting sucks, so it's good that this is just audio. And <laughs> I have tomato sauce or tomato soup all over my shirt. And the reason I'm saying all this is because if any one of you out there, listener, has ever had a dream to start a podcast, anybody can friggin' do it. So, without further <laughs> adieu, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm sitting with Tygen Tofel. Tygen Blank That's Tofel. me. Yeah, that's me. And, Gotta get the blank um, in there. Yeah, because that actually has a story behind it, too, listener. Um, <laughs> yeah. And she is currently 117 months pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, what did you say, 117 months? Yeah. It's pregnant. actually 118 months. Oh, <laughs> shit. I ruined that one. <laughs> So, um, yeah, why don't you tell us who you are? Um, Tygen Blank, um, <clears throat> Tofel. Yeah, my name is Tygen Blank Reader, or Tofel. I go by both. Um, I live in Oregon. I have two kids. I am pregnant with my third, which was a complete shock. <laughs> we can get into later. Um, yeah. I used cool. to live in California. I've known Katie for... Too How long, long now? 15 years. <laughs> Too long. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I married her ex-husband's best friend. Wow. I mean, if they could <laughs> see the looks on our faces right now. <laughs> <laughs> and Tygen is also the one who taught me the, the phrase, wow. <laughs> wow. 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 Yeah. So um, how is it up there in Oregon? I know you moved like 150,000 years ago, but I can tell my listener. Um, I love it here, honestly. Um, it's just it's just easier to live financially, physically, <clears throat> emotionally. California's hard, so it's. I always tell people California's a great place to visit. For my opinion, from my point of view, yeah, but not a great place to live because <clears throat> I don't know if you can relate to this, but I feel like if we lived there, we would never have time for our kids. Like we would both be working full time jobs to barely make the rent, and to be hard. So um, I'm very blessed to be here. Yeah, so it's peaceful yeah. out there. It is, and it rains a lot, and I love rain. So. Ooh. <laughs> That's yeah. going to be my daughter's middle name if and when Rain. I have a daughter. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> we're actually in the waiting period again to see if we're pregnant or not. Ooh, so for, for our listeners that don't know, we're trying to have another baby. And, <laughs> you know, great segue. We're, I, I, I'm back in that phase where... I feel like it's going to take forever because the first mm. one took two years. So I'm like, mm -hmm. well, we can try, but you know, I keep trying to have good thoughts. So it's weird. Like I remember being in that phase and for us, you know, um, I guess we can kind of talk about that story a little bit right now. It took us almost four years to get pregnant with my daughter. So I have an eight year old son. His name is Zeke. Who was a surprise? Surprise! <laughs> yeah. I remember that surprise. <laughs> yeah, I was 26 years old, surprised. Um, and he was a hard kid, so we we took a while to think about having having another kid. We wanted to get established. We got our house. We moved the whole shebang. Um, we had some other marital things to work out, and so we took our time. And you know, we didn't think anything of it because Zeke was an oops. You know. Yeah. So when we started trying for a second, 
I think it was probably eight months in, I think when I finally started to feel nervous that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. You know, and then I kept getting told, you know, oh, it could take a year, it could take a year after a year, then you might want to talk about <clears throat> thinking about issues. But I had also had um, hormonal issues anyway. So I kind of, I think that's what sparked me to not wait the whole year to figure out what was going on. And then, um, you know, we found out I had PCOS, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which um, some people can get pregnant easily. And some people it takes forever for them to get pregnant. And some people can't have babies at all because of it. So, and you never know which one you are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you just kind of like, fly by the seat of your pants with all this anxiety, which obviously probably doesn't make the whole process any better. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Having all that anxiety. Yeah. But you can't help so, it. <laughs> no. So no, hard you can't. to try it's to control like, that. It is. It's like, especially because I think women in general have high anxiety about just our future and, you know, especially with kids, like having babies, we've, you know, it's our body or it's what we're supposed to be. That's what we're, our bodies are supposed to do. Yeah. So when it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, you feel like a complete failure. Like you feel utterly like a shell of a person Yeah. and you just kind of feel empty and like, you think that's like the one thing your body should do as a woman. Like, (laughs) yeah, you know, and and you hear about all the oopsies in the world, like, yep. you mean this 16-year-old girl accidentally got pregnant and here I'm, I've been trying for a year and a half and nothing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not, not to yeah. sound ungrateful, but, you know. No, it's, it's a total truth, though, about yeah. the whole infertility process. And yes, I mean, and it was struggle for me because I was scared to come out to talk about my infertility because I had already had a son and I didn't want to, like offend anybody who had never been able to even like conceive the first time yeah so it was like I had all this internal like guilt and a lot of um, beating myself up like am I allowed to feel guilty should I feel guilty like like about you know this whole situation like there was so much mixed emotions about the whole thing yeah so um and honestly, I think the only thing that brought me through it was education, like literally yeah. getting educated on secondary infertility and how you're still allowed to, you know, be upset about it. And especially because we didn't get to plan my son. I love him to death. And there's, you know, that doesn't change anything. But I didn't get to, you know, we weren't in a we weren't necessarily in a place to be able to set up a nursery and paint and yeah. you know, buy all these things you know, and, and celebrate. So, um, we were finally in a place financially to do it and we couldn't do it. So it was like, so frustrating, you know? And then I'll tell you exactly what happened. And everybody I tell this to always, always, you know, kind, kind of not shocked, but it brings a smile to their face. So, um, in the midst of this, you got pregnant with Des. Uh-huh. Okay. Total joy for you. So oh. happy, by the way. So happy. And then my girlfriend, Heather, who 
um, at the time was also not like she was not trying. You guys were trying, but she was not trying. Got an oopsie. And she was scared to tell me because of all the infertility. I think we at this point we had been two years, almost two years. Yeah. So she was scared to tell me, but I totally felt her joy. And I was like, God gave you that gift. Who am I just because I'm struggling to like ever get upset that you have that? Yeah. Like I'm not going to do that to you. But anyway, so um, she told me, but in the midst of this, so in the midst of all of this, two of my very best friends got pregnant. <laughs> and um, <laughs> about a year and a half later, after all this struggle and also fertility treatments, I finally one day just literally said, God, I don't want any more control over this. If this is what you want for my life, I'm done. I let go of it. I let go of it completely. I'm not going to sit here every single day and watch my son grow up and with all of this, you know, frustration, anxiety, and sadness. I'm not going to miss out on that because of this situation. Yeah. And so... That following month. Surprise. <laughs> we were pregnant. So um, that was a complete, Mike did not believe me. My husband did not believe me. He was like, no, that's not real. Cause we, you know, this is almost four years now. <laughs> He's like, this is not real. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go get a digital. Cause I don't know what else to do. Yeah. Like, you know, and then once the digital hit, he was like, well, we still need to see a doctor because <laughs> we were still like not <laughs> got to get like, the blood test too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, then we got pregnant with her and that was kind of a rough go. But that was amazing. So that story of my life was, you know, that struggle for, oh, that was like a five year struggle. Yeah. Like an internal struggle. I mean, and I'd lost weight. Remember we, like you were my trainer yeah. And I had lost weight and I was like eating better. I was doing like everything possible <laughs> to like just be healthy. But I think I wasn't healthy mentally. I think that's exactly. really, yeah. I think that's really what the issue was. And I, I honestly think it was me letting it go. Like, and just saying, whatever, whatever God's will is, is, is what it is. I'm not going to fight it anymore, you know? Yeah. But funny story, here I am, pregnant again with my third. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Six months after I had her. Oh, my gosh. I still don't. Under, I still, I still can't comprehend it. Like, it's still, like, <laughs> because we took so long to get pregnant. We didn't use protection because we thought for sure, like we talked about like possibly trying again for a third, maybe because I was like on the fence about it. Yeah. When she was a year, it was literally like the first month that we like, okay, the second month. It was like the second month that we like, we're just having fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, we didn't do anything. Okay. We didn't do anything because literally we thought it was going to take like at least two years, kind of like, <laughs> you know, I'm sure you can understand that. First, it was the first or second month. Like, what, what is even life? <laughs> what is even life? <laughs> what is even life awesome. right now? I, so we're going to have a two and a half, like, 
two under two is my life. Yeah. But there's oh, a, may the Lord have mercy on your soul. <laughs> I know. I know it. Oh, my gosh. But anyway, so there's the long story yeah. kind of, of our struggles with infertility. So I'm right there with you. I totally understand the anxiety and fear. Yeah. I mean, even though it didn't take us as long as it took you, it's still two freaking years, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. you know, the um, the first time I got pregnant, I was nine days late, and I'm like, total clockwork on my cycle, total clockwork. I was nine days late, but all the pregnancy tests were negative. And then I had, like, the worst period of my life. Sorry, listener, if that's TMI, but... Um, <laughs> And then I went to see a doctor to get a physical and she said, yeah, most likely you had a miscarriage. So then the second time I got pregnant, it was, everything was positive, all the tests and stuff. And I went and celebrated and told Sean and then we told his parents and the next day I started bleeding and I'm like, ow, (laughs) like that was Mm. so painful. And that's, when I had my second miscarriage, but the first one that I really was aware of and like, I'm losing a baby. Mm-hmm. So and then I think it was like two months later when we got pregnant with Des. So, but that was tough. Like, <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. I, even when we checked into the, to urgent care, cause I didn't, I was only five weeks, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't know if they had to check me out. So when I walked in, even the ladies behind the desk, they could just see I was bawling and they, they, I could see them welling up in tears because they, yeah, (sighs) yeah, so, yeah, that's rough. I mean, then you go through all, so you have all this anxiety and then you finally get pregnant and then then this happens the whole time. Exactly. And then now every, every subsequent pregnancy after this, you're going to have that fear in the back of your head. Yeah. Because of what you've been through. So it's understandable. Yeah. So that's where I am. You know, we're it's really only been two months <laughs> since we started trying in. We started in, in January and then we decided that Desmond is such a ball of joy. <laughs> we <were gonna laughs> wait a little bit. <laughs> so now it's only like two months in, but I I just have that that voice in the back of my head that's saying it's going to take you another two years mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. however with that with that voice there I'm not stressing out as much about am I pregnant am I pregnant am I pregnant so maybe mm-hmm. I don't know I think well just... and you've been through it once so I feel like both times so even with Elwin and oh I don't know if I've shared his name yet with you did I no you were um, oh okay you were discussing it with TOEFL. Okay, so, all right, I guess I can go ahead and spill the beans now. <laughs> um, his name is going to be Quillen, mm-hmm. with a Q. It means um, cub in Irish. But with both of them, I knew I was pregnant before I was pregnant. I mean, before I took a test, you know what I'm yeah. saying? That's why I took a test. And both of them... I was, I think it, it was the day my period was supposed to start with Elwin. I think it was two days before with Quillen, both times. So I feel like 
And I didn't stress as, I mean, I stressed with Winnie, but I didn't stress that one month because I had given up. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't stress that one. But this go. one, you know what I'm saying? This one I had no, I didn't stress at all because <laughs> I didn't think. But I did take a test earlier than my period because um, I was already feeling off and I had just mm-hmm. been through it. So I was like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I feel like it does. Yeah, I was a wreck when I got pregnant. When I was, I found out I was pregnant with Zeke. I was like shaking hardcore. I remember. I Do you remember what you said to me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't remember it. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. What did I you, say? You looked at me and you went, "What if I die?" <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing I said. I know, and oh. I know, I know that's a real fear for people. But it was just so funny, like. You had just found out. You told me you were pregnant before you took that test, too. I remember. I, I knew. I did. You. I did. You were at Walgreens. Yes, <laughs> I was. I do remember. Well, I had some strong symptoms with him. Like, my my last, this is the my, most mild pregnancy I've had so far. His pregnancy was gnarly. Like, I had symptoms. Like, they were on steroids or something. <laughs> I don't know. I was so sick with him. So, yeah, like I was really off when I got pregnant with him. So my hormones were all crazy. But, yeah, I did. I knew. But you know what? I still waited two weeks because after. So I didn't even officially take a test until I was two weeks late because there's so many times I kept thinking, oh, I'm pregnant now. Now I'm pregnant now. So this time I was like. So, I mean, even though my period didn't come, I was still like, no, because I know as soon as I take it, it's going to say negative. I'm going to feel like an idiot, you know? So, (laughs) so yeah, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. I think, I I don't, I think that's probably why you're not as stressed out because you are. I don't think it's going to happen right away. Everybody said, oh, your second one takes. It, it happens really quickly. Like you get pregnant right away when you try for the second one. If you've already had a baby, well, I guess that would mean second one. <laughs> but like, even I knew I was like, no, I don't think that's gonna happen. They're like, yeah, first month it'll happen. I don't think my listener could hear me snap. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Well, I mean, take it. I mean, and now I'm sure my experience put a little bit of fear. <laughs> in there somewhere because just I had a hard time with my second yeah so yeah you know like it's not always the case which we need to hear the truth because you don't want to live in a in this high expectations type mindset because I feel like that makes it worse I mean not that you should be pessimistic or anything just realistic you know like you know but I think the other thing I worry about too is that I'm 34 and like, I know these days that's, that's really not old to have a baby. But, um, when I, when I was pregnant with Des, one of my students got pregnant too, like around, I think she was like five weeks ahead of me or something. And her doctor, not my doctor, my doctor wouldn't do this, but her doctor automatically said high risk pregnancy just because she was 35. 
And so I asked my doctor about that and because like she was working out as much as I was and he's like, no, you have to stop everything. I'm like, that's really weird. And the the reason is because she was 35, high risk pregnancy automatically. So when I asked my doctor about it, she said, yeah, if it's labeled a high risk pregnancy, you get paid more. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, what an ass. What? Oh, yeah. Wow. I don't even have a word. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> I don't even have a word. I'm going to start using that. (laughs) I don't. That's like terrible. I know. That's so terrible. Well, I'm 35 now and I'm, 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 I'm a fat cow. In other words, I'm overweight and I'm still not a high risk pregnancy. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's ridiculous. So I don't know why I'm actually worried about it, but I want four kids, so I better, I better get. Dude, no, I don't really think. It's, I mean, <laughs> I, my girlfriend. Well, you know, Heather. Heather's also thirty-four, and she's pregnant. Yeah. So it's not. Well, yeah, we're pregnant a week apart. That's another right. whole another story. I know. <laughs> but um, that was a surprise on that part too. Surprise. Um, yep, I love surprises. Oh yeah. But, um, you know, she's 34, too, and it's not. I mean, the only I can say from my personal experience, being 34 sucks only because my back hurts. <laughs> and, like, my feet hurt. And, my like, I just don't have, like, like, the force of nature, you know, behind my age to push. You know, yeah. like, even though I was so sick with Zeke, I worked until I was eight months pregnant. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I couldn't do that now. Are you kidding me? I'd yeah. be like, hell no. Like, oh, I'm going to go take a no. nap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take a nap like, right here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, just running after Winnie is like, you know, exhausting. By the way, listeners, if you're thinking, wow, these are some interesting names for children. Yeah. Her, her name is Tigan. So you got to kind Tygen. of expect that from somebody named Tigan to yeah. have children with unique names. And I Ezekiel, love I love all of them. Ezekiel, Elowen, and Quillen. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. We couldn't we couldn't try to name our kid a normal name if we <laughs> if we wanted to. I, I just think, don't think it's a I think even Desmond is is a little too yeah. normal for you even though it's not very common. I love and Desmond. Yes, it's, if you're wondering, listener, it is he is named after Desmond Hume in Lost because that's our favorite show. Even I to remember. this day. <laughs> I remember that's when you guys used to get together and watch Lost all the time. Yeah, and then we'd make out on the Very couch. Cute. But no, people don't need to know that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they do. No, So, yeah, lost pregnancy, perfect segue to ask this question. Sure. What's up? And I'm only asking because I want to tell the story. <laughs> okay, okay. Have you ever had the cops called on you before? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, Katie, fun. which story are you talking about? I know. I am, actually, because it's been <laughs> a few times. Okay, so once upon a time, I lived with Tigan 
and our other mm -hmm. BFF, Sarah, and we were in Tigan's father's condo, which was two stories, and we were downstairs in the dining room kitchen area, just freaking laughing our asses off, and <laughs> we were reading out of the Bible in my dad's voice, which sounds really weird, but he kind of talks like this. So we were reading the Bible. Well, then the angel blew his trumpet. <laughs> I can't even listen to you do that without laughing. It gets better. Oh. So we're already laughing at that. Oh. And I was like, oh, my gosh, let's do chin people. <laughs> so if you don't know what chin people are, you turn upside down. You draw eyes and a nose on your chin. And then you flip upside down and you already have a mouth. So that's the chin person. Well, mine had a goatee, <laughs> and somebody, somebody called the cops, and the cops knocked on our door, and he's like, and I, I was covering up my chin, but you could still see the goatee, so I had this little Hitler thing <laughs> going on, <laughs> and he goes, he, he looks at us at, at first, like, to see if we were drunk, which we weren't, there was no alcohol yeah. involved, we were just I was about to our... say, we were not, we were completely sober, by the way, yeah. everybody. yeah. So we were just crazy. He looks at them and he looks at me with this little Hitler thing going on, covering up my chin. He goes, can you guys close your windows? By the way, I think it was my friend Amy who lived upstairs that called the cops because oh, I think really? we were being loud. and Yeah, but I think her baby was, I think we were waking oh, up. Yeah. Um, we were waking uh, Heidi up, her daughter. Aww. I know now his mom's now like, I Man. feel her pain. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Katie, shut up. <laughs> but we were having fun. We were still in our 20s. Yeah. Having a blast. Like early sober, 20s. By the way. Yeah. We yeah. were sober. Not that we don't drink, but. Yeah. It was just a sober fun night. night. We were... <laughs> <laughs> then the angel blew its trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good night. It was a good night. That was fun. So, yeah. Cops being well, called on us. Yeah, that, that, that was a very trying time in my life. <laughs> that yeah. era. <clears throat> yeah, I think, right? I think for both of us, not that I'm trying to one-up you, but, you know. No. I was with, no. I was with fuck-faced. Yeah. 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 And I think that was the, um, I think we moved in with you, like, right after you and Luke broke up. Yeah, it was, because I threw, I'd thrown him out, and I needed somebody to come and help pay rent, because yeah. my little $700 a month wasn't going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And Sarah was like, I know somebody. And Sarah, excuse me, sorry, Sarah moved in, and we shared a room in our 20s. I still look back at that and go, of course that didn't work. What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> like how? Oh, naive. Oh, to be 20. Yeah. They were lying when they said, they, whoever came up with the phrase, youth is wasted on the young, is like right on with that, I feel. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot. Cause That's it's the like, first time I've ever heard that. <laughs> really? Yeah. You've youth never is heard wasted that? on the young? Yeah. So like, for instance, you know, like your zeal for life and, you know, your push and your pull and your 
motivation and your ability to your resilience, you know, your ability to kind of get back up easier and not being tied down by things like emotionally like we are now because we're too smart now. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So it's like, so when I hear that phrase now, now that you hear it, maybe you'll, it'll come to pass for you when you see some some young whippersnapper doing <laughs> something and you'll look at them and be like, man, I wish I had that zeal. And then you'll realize it is wasted on the young, you know? Yeah. Cause with all this wisdom we have, I mean, as much as we can at this age, it would be nice to have that when we were young and both have that resilience and stuff along with the wisdom of life. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, But the thing is, we don't get that wisdom without first having yeah. gone through all the other crap. Exactly. I think so, that's what the whole phrase is supposed to like. Yeah. Point out, you know. Yeah. Because so. it's like, if I could go back and tell my younger self, blah, blah, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you don't want to tell them because then you won't be who you are right now. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. So let's, if if it's okay with you, can we dissect the whole Luke situation? Yeah. Any, anybody who might be listening that thinks they might possibly be in an abusive relationship? Mm, yeah. They're about to get deep, y'all. <laughs> I never say y'all. I say y'all <laughs> all the time, y'all. Really? <laughs> Shit. Yeah. <laughs> That was a really big time in my life. I feel like I learned a lot about myself (laughs) during that time period in my life. I mean, I I still went through a ton of stupid, made a ton of other stupid decisions for years after that. But I mean, (laughs) that was like, I think that was a forking situation. Like that's the time in my life where I kind of started to fork off into a different path into yeah. my like choices like realizing my choices have severe consequences you know what I'm saying like just kind of that realization because when you're a teenager and you're going to high school you literally I don't know about you but I felt invincible you know like I can make whatever choices I want and what's the worst that's going to happen you know kind of thing like I've had no concept of not necessarily like um, like I had understanding of consequences but I just didn't they were never severe enough I feel like to to like wake me up out of anything you know, if that makes mm. sense yeah so after that situation that was a really big wake-up call I think by the end of that and it still didn't end I feel like <laughs> it still didn't completely end it didn't I think you no. went back to him. Um, if I'm allowed to say this, I think you went back to him yeah. like two or three times. Yeah. To get the yeah. same, the same slap in the face, literally speaking. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm sorry. It seriously took. <laughs> it seriously <laughs> took. I will tell you what took me. I think to finally figure it out was I literally had to 
makes such a horrible, stupid, wild decision to uproot myself out of everything I've known <laughs> to go gallivanting literally 900 miles away, leaving everything and within a 24 hour period to realize what an idiot I was <laughs> to keep going back. Yeah. Like, it, Are you like referring it, to the situation in which I was at school and fuck face was at work and we came home and all your stuff was gone? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Except for I'm the referring, futon. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm referring to that asshole decision. Yeah. <laughs> that seriously hurt. That's another thing too. I was always constantly, I realized so this is one of the one of the things I realized during this relationship. First of all, I allowed him to emotionally put me in a situation to where I thought I owed him something. Literally, me and Mike still have this conversation every once in a while. Like I, I always go back and I'm I'm saying I'm not saying this is right or an excuse. I'm just explaining why I did it. It literally felt like he was calling me and saying, I bought this house for you, hoping that you were gonna live in it. Guilt, 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 guilt. Yeah. And like, if you don't go do this, at least give me one last chance. You're an asshole, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I was so scared to like hurt him or hurt. Like I didn't, I felt like no matter what I did, I was going to hurt somebody. Like I just didn't know, like the one person I, I didn't think about was myself. Like I literally was like, mm. I don't want to hurt him. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to hurt Michael. I don't want to hurt Katie. I don't want to hurt any of these people. I don't know what to do. Like, I was seriously in such a shit situation. Yeah. Mentally. You forgot to put yourself on the list. I did. Yeah. I did. Actually, actually, I knew I was on the list, but I, I threw myself off of it. It was like, I'm not important enough to even be on this list. You know, I'm such a shitty person because I've hurt him and I've hurt Mike and I've hurt other people all the time and I just hurt everybody. And that was actually, if we can go back, that's actually something that's been embedded into me growing up as a child. And I think that's one of the reasons I acted that way constantly. It was so indecisive, so indecisive. I couldn't make a decision worth a damn about anything because, um, you know, my decisions never mattered. My, everything I did was, Ever, for everybody else. I never, and it's weird because they always end up being selfish. That's the weird part is like, I make these decisions and I think that I'm, I'm doing it for other people, but it always turned like, it always seemed and turned out to be more selfish than I, than it intended to be. Like, yeah. I, I never thought about it that to. way, but I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Like, like it's, <laughs> Like you don't want to hurt everybody else and you're not even thinking about yourself. So you go to try to make everybody happy and it seems selfish because the ones that you do hurt are like, Oh, well she didn't even give notice. (laughs) Yeah. Like, of course I'm not holding that, that against you ever. Like ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is friendship. You forgive each other. Just like donkey says in Shrek, you forgive (laughs) each other. But like, (laughs) Yeah, I never even thought of it that way. Yeah, it was a hard, like I said, I've done a lot of reflecting on like that because it still haunts me. That decision still, I, here's the thing I've come to terms with it is that I don't regret it because had I not done it, 
I definitely, I don't know how much longer it would have taken me to get the picture. Yeah. Like that I need to stop making decisions based on everybody else's feelings and um, stop letting other people control me with my emotions. And also too, like making a decision for one person that can hurt other people is still okay. Like for instance, Oh, Mike said, Mike was saying, you need to make a decision. You need to stop, you know, making, you can't, you can't make everybody happy. Like you need to figure out what you want and stick with it and stop doing this whole, like you're hurting everybody. Like you're just kind of being a jerk. And, you know, that really kind of, I don't know why his words were any different than anybody else's or, you know, I don't know why it stuck with me at that point or that moment. Um, I mean, he said this, I still went to Oregon, but I think that's one of the reasons why it hit me so hard when I got there, because when I got there, I realized this is not what I want at all. Like I felt so out of my element. I felt like I was on Mars. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like I woke up and I was in this, like, I felt like I had woken up in a t- in like a time loop and I was from, I was, one minute I was in California and the next minute I'm in this house. I have no idea. Like, I don't know anybody around me. I don't know. Like it was like this freaky <laughs> thing I did to myself and everybody else. Mm-hmm. And the three days I was there um, in Luke's house, I slept on the couch <laughs> I wouldn't let him touch me. I wouldn't let him touch me. Um, And we had gotten it already in like three arguments while I was there because I didn't want anything to do with him. (laughs) So um, it took me three days to realize what I needed to do. And that's when I called my aunt Dawn and she came and picked me up. And I left him for good that time. Yep. And this time he, I mean, he was screaming, crying, whole nine yards, same thing. And I, I was able to say, I'm sorry, but this isn't going to work and be able to actually let it go. And um, then I called Mike and told him the truth about everything. And told him, it's up to you what you want to do. I finally, I finally was able to accept my consequences for my actions and accept my stupid decisions and accept, accept that I hurt people and that I'm going to have to work hard to get their trust back. Yeah. And um, that was a turning point, I feel like, in my life where I started to realize that the hard choices are the hardest, are the are the ones you want to go with because they take the most time to make, but they, in the long run, they, they are worth it. So when you make the rash decisions based on emotion in the moment, those ones, those decisions blow up in your face immediately. (laughs) So when you take the time to look at your decisions and own your mistakes and own your behavior and own the things that you are only in control of, Right? No, you can't control other people. You can't control other people's emotions. You can't control what they do. You you can only control you. And when you start realizing that that's all you have control over, and that's what you should have control over, 
and you allow people the space to heal, forgive, or do whatever they need to do, um, those relationships usually flourish. And that's probably the biggest thing I've learned. I mean, other than don't let somebody treat you like shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know what I'm saying? But I, I feel like it was more about me owning my behavior and stop taking responsibility for other people's behaviors. For instance, Luke's, you know, I was, I was always trying to take responsibility for his slitting his wrist or his anger at me or his issues with, um, you know, his codependency issues. He needs me kind of thing, you know, like when I finally let that go and realize that's none of my business, that's none of my like that's his issues that I can't fix. Like, and it's not my responsibility to fix that. I have my own issues I have to fix. (laughs) And um, like I said, I think that was a fork in the road in my life where I kind of realized like I need to own my behavior. And I started, remember I started going to counseling. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Now that you bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. And started getting, I I would walk like a mile (laughs) just to go because, I knew I needed it and I just, I needed the help and it was the only way it was the best thing I did for myself because I made the decision. I put the effort into it. So I got the most out of it. You know, nobody forced me to do it. I just did it. Yeah. So that's what I learned from that situation. I mean, do you want to talk specifics about what he specifically did or like, if if you want to share it, I mean, some people, are in relationships where there is no actual physical violence and it's all mental and emotional. I mean, I think that that was the majority of of the way Alex treated me. It was all mental and emotional abuse. There was the time that he threw the chair across the room at me and he swears up and down that he wasn't throwing it at me, but you know, he just barely missed me and it put a hole in the wall. But, um, I mean, I think I think you had both. You had both the mental and the physical abuse, and the, but it's the mental stuff that that sticks around yeah. the longest. Like, like if you guys have known me for a while, you know I'm a pretty freaking strong person. But when I was in, I, when I was with my ex husband, I was like <clears throat> not me. Like mm-hmm. he he brainwashed me into thinking that I couldn't find anybody else. He told me, he's like, you'll never find anybody who treats you as good as I do. And I <laughs> freaking believed him. Like what? You don't even treat me well. Shut the fuck up. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. and and you were there to witness like half, yeah. of my, half of my relationship with him. So Yeah. I think we were we were both in similar situations and you were just a few steps ahead of me, which I think I think helped out a lot because you were like you kinda counseled me in some ways. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I just even now, like, you know, me and Mike didn't start off with a very good foundation either. I mean, we're we struggled and when we moved here, man, we had yeah, it was a huge it was a huge, like, pressure on Mike to go from, you know, not working for two years and living off of the stimulus checks, I don't know if you remember that, to 
um, coming here and having to work full time all of a sudden and even overtime. Yeah. Um, that was a huge transition for him and he did not necessarily take that very well. And so we kind of, I kind of revisited that whole abuse cycle again. Um, you know, and of course there was addiction involved and all kinds of things. And we've worked through that. Um, the difference between him and Luke is there's two differences. And this is probably the only reason why we're still together. One reason, um, we both have a, we have both have a foundation in our belief in God. So that makes it easier for us to be able to find a common ground to talk like to be able to say like, both like in the Bible, this is, <clears throat> we are both expected to be this person. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't twist it to be that this is okay or not. Okay. Like we both agree that this is not okay. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it kind of gave us like a common ground to be like, to meet on and to say, but there's forgiveness and we can change, you know, and we should try. And I think that is, and here's the thing, Michael has a, a track record with me for change. Yeah. He has. Yeah. So he's gone from a very angry person who used to do meth all the time to quitting meth, to getting a job, to getting a car, getting a license, doing all these things that he did not have when we first met. Yeah, he, so totally, he, is, he totally turned his life around. Totally, yeah. totally. So I know he's capable of admitting that he that he needs help, you know, and he, like, in changing for himself, not for me, but for himself. So I think those two things, having God in common and then also having a track record for change is the reason why we're still together. I mean, other I'm not just making it all about him. It's me too. But for instance, you know, my stupidity going to Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, well, and, and making the number decision. three, you guys love each other so much. Well, that too. Yeah, yeah, of course. yeah. but yeah, I mean, obviously, like we, you yeah. know, and so it's, you know, we had our, we've had our up and up and ups and downs. But I will tell you, I really feel like coming, doing the whole owning your own behavior and stop expecting the other person to change their behavior to make you feel better has taken the pressure off of the change, wanting to change for the yeah. other person, if that makes sense. So, oh, yeah. you know, one thing we learned in counseling, me and him was, um, if you're coming to counseling to try to change the other person, it's, that's not the point. Yeah. The point is when you go to counseling, it's about what you need to change. Cause that's the only thing you have control over. Yeah. That was a huge pill for both of us to swallow. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, but the fact that he was, he was willing to go and willing to learn and willing to um, go on a journey with me to fix ourselves together. Like, like, like yeah. him fix himself, me fix myself together, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um has made this situation different and special. You know, yeah. we get to tell our grandkids. I love that we get to tell our kids and our grandkids when they get to be older, like, Hey, we did not have perfect anything. Yeah. <laughs> we had to work hard to make it work. And we were not perfect to each other. We were not, you know, 
princess and prince charming. <laughs> <laughs> um, See, but, but the thing it. is, you're you are both willing to work on it, which is like yeah. the key to everything. You're both yep. willing to work on it. If it's just one person that keeps trying and trying and trying, and the other person sitting back and twiddling their thumbs, yeah, you know, it's not gonna work. No. Nope. The other thing, you were talking about the counselor saying if you're coming here to change the other person no <laughs> yeah um yeah. one of what was it oh it was one of my coaches said um in a video or something i was listening to he said stop standing in front of the chocolate ice cream machine and expecting vanilla mm-hmm. you keep if you keep going to that chocolate ice cream machine and expecting vanilla Whose fault is that? Mm-hmm. It's yours. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. because Again, the chocolate machine response. only knows how to make chocolate ice cream. Exactly. And if you exactly. want vanilla, you're trying to get ice cream from the wrong motherfucking person. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that all yeah. boils down to taking responsibility for your decisions. Exactly. Right? So, when somebody treats you like shit, and you stand there and you're like why are you treating me like shit and you're like you need to take responsibility that you're allowing them to do that like it's because you're taking you know (laughs) yeah exactly you 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 only get what you allow you know which you know for the listener it doesn't make it your fault that they're treating you like shit it makes it your fault that you're accepting it exactly yeah exactly you don't need to take responsibility for their bad behavior, but you do need to take responsibility for your decision to stand there. <laughs> yep. Stand there and take it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, we're about. going deep today. Ooh. That's what I'm talking about. Getting to this age, you know, where all of a sudden <sighs> life starts kind of making more sense and yeah. your choices start making more sense and your accountability to yourself. Um, makes you feel old (laughs) where you're like oh I'm starting to kind of get the hang of this life stuff although when you say that (laughs) that's usually when something goes oh really hmm yep I can mix this up yeah dude that was some deep deep shit (laughs) (laughs) I went down that was a soul that was a soul search right there we we talked about the soul right there the soul yeah (laughs) So I have one question that I want to ask you that I ask everybody okay. at the end of our little chit chats. And that is, if you had one piece of advice that you could give to the world, what would it be? The moment, I'll tell you right now, the moment that you think you become a wise person, you become a fool. that is what I'm going to leave there was a couple other ones that came to mind but I feel like that one kind of says it all it means remain teachable you're never you're never unteachable there's always moments in life that you need to learn from and be open to listening to that yeah I love it ladies and gentlemen Tigan Blank Tofel. Signing off for now.